Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ice Cold Takes podcast. I'm your host, Joey DiMeglio, and today I'm joined by fellow Mets and Rangers fan, Tyler Ward. Wardy has his own YouTube channel for Mets and Rangers content. He hosts the Rangers Review, featuring frequent Ice Cold Takes guest Stat Boy Steven, and he's one of the hosts of the Believe in Queens podcast, which stars Anthony Recker, former catcher for the New York Mets, which is awesome. Wardy, it's about time you're on the show. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, man. I'm excited. Let's get into this. Yeah, man. Uh, so, I mean, before I even get into any of, of like, the Mets stuff uh, about, like, the game last night, how did you get Anthony Recker on your show? That's so awesome. Oh, yeah. No, uh, Believe, which is a phenomenal sports podcasting network, reached out to me earlier this year, and they pitched that they wanted to do a podcast for the Mets. And, obviously, I cover the Mets daily on my YouTube channel, Wordy NYM. Um, but I, I hadn't had too much interest in diving into the podcast game solely because, you know, I'm close to everyone that covers the Mets through podcasts and it's flooded. That space is really, you know, profound, big as is. So I didn't have too much interest originally, but then they pitched that, you know, we're going to have Joe Serralo, who was actually the talent manager who reached out to me. He is also a diehard Mets fan. So you'd be one of my co-hosts. And then the other co-host was guaranteed to be a former Met. I'm like, okay, I'm sold. As soon as they said that, I'm like, there's no going back. So yeah, no, Wrecker is an absolute treat. A great friend of mine was just texting me before we started the show. Um, so, yeah, it's it's been quite the pr- privilege to have him and do everything that we've done so far with Believe in Queens. Now you got to get him to to bring Jerry Blevins on the on the show. Get oh, we will. Yeah, yeah, we will for sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah, that's that's got to be that's got to be one of your goals. I, I'd I'd assume that's so awesome. I didn't know Believe was like a, a network. I thought that was like your own separate thing. No, no, yeah, no. They're they're really really big uh, sports podcasting network. They have shows for every single team, every sport. I mean, their Bengals show is on television for Bali Sports. They have a lot of shows on Sirius XM. Um, they're they're really prominent. Like they're a high riser now in the uh, sports podcasting community. So it's been an absolute pleasure working with them. <laughs> Goes to show what I know about podcasts, except <laughs> for my own. I mean, uh, and then you you and Steven have have done the show right for how long? Like two years, right? Yeah, yeah, at least two years. That's awesome. Yeah, I get him on all the time. You probably you probably see him on the show or uh retweeting the stuff every now and then yeah. which is which is kind of funny because uh uh he cut co- and then he comes on like on in spaces too yeah and th- that's that's funny because it's like really late at night where he is oh my yeah he's just steven is the full example of as diehard of a ranger fan as they come it doesn't matter what time zone he's in he will always make sure he's watching and covering the rangers yeah, I, I agree. We'll get into some Rangers talk in a bit, but uh, I wanted to start with that incredible Mets comeback last night. I mean, after a disappointing game against the Marlins, it's for whatever reason, when it's September and the Mets are in a, a division chase, a pennant race, it's always the Marlins, Miami Marlins, Florida Marlins, whatever it is. <laughs> they're always the ones that, you know, gives us a problem. Like 2007, 2008, 2019, I'll, I'll never forget that. Like when uh, Brad Brock for, forgot to run to first base oh, that was horrible uh but i mean so frustrating from one night to the next it was like just so much frustration the braves tie up the the division and then the nationals pull off a miracle 
and beat the Braves for us last night. And then another miracle was Eduardo Escobar just putting the team on his back last night. So tell me what was going through your head as a fan watching it. Cause I know I was in, in like, I was incredibly tense, like from the seventh inning on. Yeah. I mean, the build up to the seventh inning was very bleak. I was not satisfied. Uh, the Mets were not playing a good ball game for the majority of the ball game. Uh, Jesus Lazardo, someone that they hit really well against last time they faced him in Miami over the past month. They, he was carving up the Mets. I mean, left and right. He just had his stuff going. The Mets were not hitting. Unfortunately, Tywin Walker gave up a couple runs in the fourth because Brian De La Cruz decided to be Barry Bonds for that two game set against the Mets, unfortunately. Um, and at that juncture, you know, unfortunately, the Mets have fallen into this narrative where especially throughout the month of september where if they do not get an early lead and they surrender runs to the opposing team within the first couple innings it's been a really an uphill battle for them to come back at home and against lesser opponents i mean the mets entering that game yesterday at the time of recording this were one in six in september at against the nationals against the cubs and against the marlins so there were a lot of things that were not going right the Mets way when placing the, uh, playing these lesser opponents, whatever the reason is, you know, they vary. But once that seventh inning hit, you saw Eduardo with that massive two run home run. I mean, he's been the store. He's been Mr. September for this team. What he has done after not having a good large majority of the season, then coming back off the IL. I mean, the guy has 24 RBIs over 1000 OPS, a three thirty average in September. He single-handedly won the Mets that ball game and single-handedly put them one full game up now in the Annalise entering that Brave series with a five RBIs. He then tied the game that we saw, I believe, in the eighth with the uh, with the two-run uh, single. And then, of course, gained that walk-off, which I found hilarious, that they would intentionally walk Jeff McNeil. As amazing as Jeff is, I'm like, why would he use the analytics in that situation when Jeff is known for being a first-pitch swinger? The odds of him having a first pitch out are far greater than Eduardo Escobar. So why make that move, Don Mattingly? I don't know. Um, either way, it was a blessing for the Mets that allows Eduardo to come up there with two on, less than two out there in the 10th in extras, and he gets the job done. He ripped the base knock to have Lindor score. So it, Eduardo, he deserves nothing but endless credit. He said uh, heading into you know midway through the year or so when he was not performing well that he would give the Mets fans something to cheer about this year and he has surely done that and then some in the month of September and a lot of people were calling for Beatty B- Vientos to get called up replace Escobar when he was going through his struggles and yep. you know Escobar is like really holding himself accountable and it's nice to see that he's having such a torrid month of September and literally just put the team on his back last night which is what kind of scares me because like Alonzo struck out four times last night. I don't want it to, to, to resort to a one man offense where, you know, you cannot do that against the Braves. Like they're going to be all over, all over, all over us. I mean, we're going to have our best, best guys throwing out there. DeGrom starting Friday. He got moved up, which is, which is great. Uh, We desperately need a bounce back start from him. And uh, you know, really it's been smooth sailing for the Mets all season, right? Like, I mean, no, really major roadblocks except for the Braves that they just don't stop winning the Mets haven't really struggled this is really if you want to consider it a slump this is really the only time all season that's been significant enough to warrant discussion like Vogelbeck and Ruff have not been performing well even though they're at this point I guess bench players it's still we still need them to come up with with key hits but they're basically automatic outs at this point so the Mets need Marte back too, and I, I saw that yeah, his, his, his return is not imminent. 
So Correct. we don't. So I'm gonna guess that he's not coming back for the regular season. Maybe he comes back for like the last two games or something or the last series. But uh, the Mets need him back. He was a huge spark at the top of that lineup all season long. Like Mister First Inning, Starling Marte was. I've noticed uh, from watching the games, and uh, you know the Mets need all hands on deck. And I think Escobar put it best, like, you know, we gotta, they got to be hungry 100%. At the end of that game, uh, last night, the interview with Gelbs, um, Mets need to go in firing on all cylinders, like, right off the gate, start, start getting men on, work the counts deep, you know, like, just same stuff they've been doing all year. Just don't go away from your identity. And having Marte back is crucial when looking at should the Mets, fingers crossed, knock on wood, win the division by having hopefully a good weekend against these Atlanta Braves and then whatever happens with the Nationals. Because when you have that ability to win first place, you get that extra time of rest. You're not starting playoffs right away like the wildcard teams are that aren't in first. So that's extra time that Marte can get ready for the postseason. So there's even further reasoning as to why winning the division is so pivotal for the Mets because it gives them more time with someone like Marte to make sure he's fully healthy come playoff time. They need to take at least three, two out of three in the, in this. Like that's just, that's just how it is. Like uh, I, I doubt a sweep is going to happen on either side. I see it more from the, like the Braves are more likely to get a sweep than the Mets are in my opinion, but I just don't think that's going to happen. I knock on wood. I don't think, I don't think any team's going to sweep. If the Mets sweep, I mean, best case scenario, then they win the division on Sunday. So, right. yeah, but I, I don't I don't foresee that happening. As long as they do not get swept, the ball's in their court for winning the division. They are very much in control. They win two out of three. Even if they win one out of three, they have the tiebreaker, and they're still in a great spot entering that series against the Nationals. So biggest goal for the Mets, make sure you do not get swept and obviously try to win that series. A sweep would be the cherry on top for them. It, and it all starts with DeGrom. Last point I'll, I'll say before we move on. Uh, it all starts with DeGrom. He can't be too cute with, with his pitches. He's got to – we need a huge bounce back from him. And I have all hope in the world, all the, all the faith in the world that he will do that because of the kind of pitcher he is. Uh, a start that against Oakland like he had on uh, – on, what was it, Saturday? Sunday? Saturday. Uh, that just doesn't happen for him. And I know DeGrom enough – for him to, you know, hold himself accountable. He's not going to make that happen two games in a row. But the Mets no. offense needs to needs to step it up again. They were there for him in the first inning in that last start, but they need to be there again. They have to get to the to the starters for uh of Atlanta. I don't know what the I forget what the what the order is for Atlanta. Uh um it's so it. game 1 it, as of now it's DeGrom versus Max Fried who's their stud southpaw. Okay. Game two is Kyle Wright, who just got 20 wins on the year, facing off against Max Scherzer. And game three is Chris Bassett versus Charlie Morton. Okay. All right. I'm confident with those with those three pitchers. And, you know, the, again, like I said, the Mets got to stay true to their identity, work the counts deep in the first inning, make them throw a lot more pitches, get into that bullpen. And, uh, you know, if we get a lead, you got to hold on to that tightly. Like, don't. Don't do anything. I mean, last time it, we were in Atlanta, there was a slugfest game. We don't want any of that. We want to we want to take control of these games. Two out of three is what we need. Absolutely. Yeah, That fingers crossed. That's what we get from the Mets at minimum. You ready? Showtime. 
on May 3rd. Summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yep. Moving on from, from the Mets, uh, we'll get into the meat of the episode. Start of preseason for the Rangers. Uh... First game was against the uh, Islanders. They they pulled off a victory. It was 4-1. And then they the next day, they played the Bruins and lost in overtime. Let's focus a little bit more on that first game because you went to that, that game with Steven. And uh, so you tell me, what stood out to you the most in game one? I know it's preseason, but what, what, was, uh, what was the most impact there? Um. For the preseason game, well, one, Steve and I had never met in person before, so that was our first time. That was really cool. For people that don't know who Stapley Steven is, he isn't just a diehard Rangers fan that is notorious for covering their prospects. I mean, this man, the day before that game, spent an over two hours with Mets, uh, not Mets, Rangers top prospect, Brennan Othman, just because he's so great at building these relationships. Just got to make sure Othman doesn't get traded because Steven has also gone close with Niels Lundqvist, Leah Sanderson, to name a few. Um, but no, the, pre- the preseason game was a lot of fun. That was my first time at the Garden since the season opener in 2019 when Truba uh, and Fox made their debuts with the club. Um, so it was great to be back in the Garden. It was electric. Uh, the Rangers got the job done, which was nice against the Islanders. Always uh, Brendan Offman, uh, speaking of the man, he had himself two assists. One of them was a beautiful pass. They set up Keandre Miller in front for a nice goal. Um, in my, my personal takeaways, one, Igor looked sharp as ever. I liked what I saw from Grand as well when he came in then a little bit throughout the game. And Keandre Miller thought looked really, really good, nice and locked. And I thought Offman really impressed me with his performance. Um, the rest of the guys, everyone played pretty much as I expected to. Uh, Vitali was a little underwhelming for me, but that was, again, his first game. He's still getting adjusted to being back with the Rangers now. He has a, he has a big chance to have a big year for the Rangers starting out on line two. Um, plenty of positive takeaways for the Rangers in that game one. Again, even for preseason, um, plenty of things that I saw that were enticing. I thought Zach Jones looked really good as well. Um, he had a goal. Uh, Jimmy VC in his return on a PCO got the goal scoring started with a beautiful sharp angle shot on the power play from the right side that hit off the helmet and in of Varlamov. Um, so yeah, plenty, plenty of good takeaways from that uh, game one win in preseason for the Rangers. I definitely liked what I saw in game one. The puck movement was so pristine. Kako's wrist shot was outstanding. Keandre Miller was all over the ice. Kako I mean, was the dog on the puck, too. He, yeah. he, was, he was a man that was not easy to get off the puck. Yeah, yeah. That's, what, that's who he is. Like, when he's yeah. at his best, I feel like that's what he does. Like, that's what he's doing. You know, you can't get him off the puck. Someone needs to get open. I always say this on the show. Someone's got to get open for him. And, you know, that goal, he set up Zach Jones. He did, like, a little curl move by the blue line. That yep. was beautiful. And then the wrist shot off the post, oh, my goodness. If he, if he nailed that shot, oh, that was, that was disgusting. That was such a – he's got to trust that wrist shot more this season. I hope we get to see him shoot off the rush, trust the wrist shot on the, on the goalie's blocker side, whatever, whatever side he shoots it on. It's a good shot. 
And uh, I think Othman was really, really surprised me. I didn't expect him to come out firing on all cylinders like that. I had hinted at saying like, okay, maybe if he does do that, maybe he gets a chance at the at the at the uh, opening night roster. I don't know. Still, I mean, that first game was outstanding. He played so well. Uh, penalty kill. It was the penalty kill. Shorthanded end of the period. Beautiful pass to Miller, like you said, and Miller buries it. Uh, that was just. That was awesome. I hope he makes the I hope he makes the team out of camp, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think VZ is going to to make the team. I think, I think the only way Othman plays for the Rangers this year, and Steven knows this best, is what given Othman's current status of his contract, he can play up to nine games while still being eligible, you know, for um with everything else uh, in the minors. So I think that's what's going to happen with Othman. If he gets any playing time, I don't expect it to be significant as much as I, I want. Of course, I want him on the team. Who doesn't want a young high riser that just had a dominant year in juniors? But yeah, I do think VC will crack the team. Um, the only hope for that, at least, is that one, he's either on the fourth line when he is playing and two, he'll be that, you know, extra forward that they have available as a healthy scratch. I, I don't need any more Dryden Hunt type vibes on the second or third pair um, for the Rangers offensively. We we need we need to be done with that as is because the lines are already a little controversial to some. With Sammy Blake expected to start on the first line of right wing, um, I understand Gallant's thought process there, and I'm sure you you do as well in the sense of the Kittle line was so good in playoffs. Uh, Heedle really stepped up big time. Kaka when he was healthy was looking good. Laffy was looking really good. So the goal is to have those paired on the third line. And for me, I'm like, okay, that's all and well. You just need to make sure you give them the proper playing time. All right. If you're giving the top six decent play, make sure you're giving that third line at minimum 15 minutes a night. I think that's completely fair to ask. Now, whether he does or not, we don't know. These are the same type of gripes I've had with the bottom six with the Elaine Vigneault's of the world, especially uh, the David Quinn's. So hopefully Gallant can just do that because these kids deserve the ice time. They've been playing really well and making sure that Laffy gets the proper time on special teams too. You hit the nail on the head there. That's exactly what I was going to say. I understand the the move to put Blay up there so long as Gallant knows to use the third line, to roll all four lines, and mm-hmm. to give them all equal time. You're going to have the power, the power play one, however many power plays you're going to have in a game. Let's say you average two power plays a game. That's probably not going to happen every single game, but if you're using that elite power play unit, how much time are they going to be having on the ice? They're going to need a rest. So keep using the third line after, after, you know, the, the power play expires. If you don't score a goal, let that, let, let that be the time for the, the, the kid line to get out there. Don't force Zabanajad and Panarin back out there after they just gassed it for two minutes. Like you have options there. You don't have to just rely on Panarin and Zabanajad. You're going to get good scoring chances from Lafreniere, Hedl, and Kako. I could guarantee you that for sure. And I think putting Kravtsov on that second line is definitely interesting. I'm very excited to see what he's got. Uh, he did look, to me, he looked a little jittery, a little nervous in that first game. Much better in the second game. But uh, I want to see more from him. Uh, again, like, like you said, he's still getting adjusted. First game back in, uh, in North America since, since last, last season. Um, so we'll have, to, we'll have to see what he does. I'm not... Not writing him off yet. I want him to make the team. And no, if he doesn't, then that's it. I think he's gone. I think they're going to trade uh, Krabs off. Oh, yeah. No, he's making the team. He's yeah. he's already yeah. going to be on the second line. Yeah. 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 No, he'll be starting out in the top six for the Rangers. Yeah. 
for for sure. I, I mean, and and then in the for terms of the fourth line, uh, we got Hunt, Vizi, Reeves, Redal. Like, there's a bunch of options that Goudreau hasn't even suited up for uh, a a game yet. And having him on the fourth line, that's crazy. Like that's a that's a deep team. Having Barclay Goudreau on your fourth line, he's a, yeah. he's more than good. He's way too good to be on the fourth line. He's more of a third line player. He could even factor into the second line at times, but I'd prefer him in the bottom six. But if you have Goudreau on the fourth line, that means the the rest of your team's got to be really deep. And I hope I like Riedel. I like what I saw from him the first game. He had a nice takeaway uh, and a breakaway. And on the on the penalty kill, I believe that was in like the third period of the first game. Um, he looked really good. So I hope to see more of him uh, before preseason ends. What did you think of Riedel? Yeah, yeah, he's been okay. Um, nothing that's like overly wowed me so far. Again, this is this guy's first year playing in North America. I'm almost certain I was playing overseas. I'm I'm blanking on the league. I want to say he was in the Swiss league or one of those leagues. You know, he's like 27 years of age. He's played in pro hockey for a while. And he's someone that you would imagine has a decent chance to maybe have that type of impact to a lesser degree of a the dominant Kubeliks of the world. You know, guys that have come into the NHL while already being in their mid to late 20s that played overseas for a while and they're able to transition at at least a decent rate. I, I think Riedel's probably going to start the year in the AHL and maybe he'll be brought up if he performs well and say naturally there will always be injuries with the Rangers just like there is with every other team in the AHL. But yeah, he, he hasn't done anything that hasn't been concerning for me. Um, I just think that given how deep the Rangers are as is, it'll be a very tall task to see him crack the roster out of preseason. That would surprise me. Yeah, I, I think he's get, he's get, he's getting a good chance, good opportunity, but I think I think Reeves has a spot locked up. I think VZ's got a spot locked up. Uh, I hope Zach Jones has a spot locked up and not Lieber Hyatt. He, he better. I mean, he better. But that's all I got to say on that front. If Gallant rolls out Libor uh, for, the, uh, for the season opener, I'm not going to be a happy camper. I mean, how how, many, how much of a leash do you need to give this guy? They shouldn't have re-signed him to begin with, let alone, you know, uh, it's just, it's baffling to me. It really is baffling to me. Zach Jones deserves to start the year. And quite frankly, regardless on how Zach Jones performs, he should be starting at minimum the first first half of the year entirely, regardless of the absent flows that he has for the first 40 games. Some good, some bad. He needs to be getting consistent playing time on that third pair at minimum. And I would like to see him as well being toyed with on special teams, maybe on the second power play. Um, that's, that is the type of impact that he can have, especially not having Niels any longer. Your puck movers on defense are obviously led by Fox. Then Keandre can chime in when you need him to. Truba is more that guy that can hang back. Yes, you can have him on the power play uh, that the Rangers have done plenty of times. But he isn't someone that isn't is going to be as quick around the line the way that someone like Zach Jones can be. I mean, Jones has to a lesser degree qualities that are Adam Fox esque, and that is really important to me to see how he can form, perform not only five on five, but on special teams the way that he's done so well in his career leading up to now his tenure with the Rangers. He almost has like a chip on his shoulder. I've noticed Zach Jones like yep. just what he says, how he is on the ice. Uh, I love it. I love it. And, you know, there's some people saying that maybe Matthew Robertson might get a chance, <laughs> might be uh, have a chance to, to crack it. It would go like Jones, Robertson, and Hayek in terms of, like, the order of who gets that last defensive spot, the six-pair uh, D spot coming out of preseason. Uh, I, think, I think Jones should take it. 
Robertson, I don't want two two same size defensemen. I didn't like that last year. Obviously, I, we've talked so much about the size debate. Steven feels a certain way about it. I'm sure you do as well. I do as well. Uh, I think Zach Jones, even though he's small in stature and, ha- and how he stands, how he looks on the ice, he's, an, he's a puck-moving defenseman, and he's, like, he's, he's pretty intelligent, I'd say. And yeah, the trip on, Yeah, the chip on your shoulder thing only adds to that thing. And I, I just want to see Jones on the, on the roster. I think he deserves a spot. He played really well in the first game. Let's just see how he plays the rest of rest of preseason. But you also brought up power play. How would you construct the power play? Would you split up that first unit or stack it? Like put Trotrek on the first unit, or would you, you know, maybe put Lafreniere or Kako in the Strom spot? I mean, I'm not, I'm I'm someone that's never been a lover of completely stacking your first power play, just because one Gallant by doing this gives very little time for the second power play to get out there. And two, when you have it stacked like that, you have that you have that less of balance. I would love it if the Rangers had more of a balance between power plays one and two. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. The power play one right now for the Rangers is Kreider, Trocek, Panarin, Zibanejad, and Fox on the point. And then power play two is Alexi Lafreniere, Hedl, Kako, Truba, Vitali, which is very interesting if, that, if that's how things are currently lined up. I like Vitali getting the opportunity on the power play for sure. Um, for me, at least, I think... One, I'm always that guy. I, you know, personally, when you have an abundance of righties or lefties, especially like Laffy in the left wing, there goes your ability to do the one-timer, which I think is very important, obviously. So I would like to see if they had in this switch there um, with the respect to power plays. But Trocek has looked really good filling in for Strom right away through preseason. So I don't think he's going to be a negative. I think he's definitely a positive, especially on special teams. He's more hard-nosed. He's easier to get in the corners and the knit and gritty, and he's more difficult to get off the puck than what Strom was, and he can actually land a shot when he has an open net. And all jokes aside, like those are things that are important, especially when you're going to get constant rebounds, throwing the puck on net constantly on that power play. So I think Trocek on – the first power play unit is fine, but me personally, I would like to see a little bit more depth, just maybe moving one of them to the second one. Um, only because of the fact that, again, I feel that these guys deserve a decent balance on the power play. And when you're gassing out the top line so much, say the Rangers have five power plays in a game and they don't even score one. Yeah, it goes directly in hand with them being gassed constantly because you're rolling out that power play one every single time. Gallant last year was historically known for not giving the power play too much time at all. That's something that I want to see different. And that's how, how I've always felt as a hockey fan. I'm not a fan of just completely overpowering with one single line. I mean, I, in my personal opinion, going from a five on five standpoint, I haven't seen the Rangers constantly roll out their four offensive lines since they went to the Stanley cup with Elaine Mignot. Um, that that year was phenomenal. Their depth in the bomb six was tremendous, and AV made sure to give those guys the rightful playing time, especially that line three, which was so massive. Since then, though, I mean, it's been the farthest thing from it. So I just want to see more consistency with these lines, regardless of the fact of if it's power play or if it's at even strength. Yeah, that's it. I like that you brought up the Rashard Zuccarello Pouliot line. That was all time favorite line right there. Yeah. Um, for, and for good, they they generated all of our scoring chances. Basically, mm-hmm. got us all the momentum, and that's what that's what I like so much about the 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 kid line. Really, it kind of reminded me of that. Even though they didn't get like as many goals as them it, throughout the season, the playoffs 
once that started, they just kicked it into high gear and they were completely different players, all of them. And I thought Kako should have been in that, that last game. I don't know how, how you feel about that, but I thought Kako I, should have been I, in that I game. think you have to be the biggest schmuck in the world to not want Kako in that game. Yeah, but we, we move on. It's over. It's done with. It's a new season. Yep, that's true. That's true. That's true. Um, with threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to to how the power play is going to look. Uh, if if it if it struggles for whatever reason, then maybe he could try. Maybe he could, uh, you know, switch some things around. And then you also you brought up Trocheck, and I mean, I feel like I've previously said I can't remember if I've said it exactly, but we've always talked about you know the need to upgrade it the two C position. Whether that be you know uh, Dylan Larkin, who else was who else was available that that uh, that just got Eichel was also one of yep. those guys, uh, and now like it was we had Cop there and it's like oh is he good enough to be there? And we always factored in Stroman Panarin's chemistry that they had worked so hard to you know kind of develop over Strom's time in in New York. I think we're gonna come to learn that we're gonna overvalue that. Uh, yeah, with, with Trocheck here, I think. You know, Trocek's a good player, and he's got an even better player on his on his left in Panarin. And it doesn't. I don't. I don't think it's going to matter. I think he's going to. It doesn't matter that 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 they were bread and butter. That Strom and Panarin were bread and butter. And it hurts yeah. me to say that because I love the two together. But I think that's just how it's going to be. That's my ice cold take of the week. Like I think the the chemistry is not going to factor in as much as people think it is. R- riddle me this: How does Artemi Panarin gain chemistry with Ryan Strom? He plays with him all the time, I guess. Exactly. But they had to start somewhere, right? Right. And that's exactly what's happening now with Vinny Trocek. There's no better player to throw in for the first time with a new line than having Archemi on your left side. He is one of the best winners in all the NHL. Doesn't matter who you're going to throw there at the sea. Yes, I will say that Heedle, while he was considered you know, earlier in the year, wasn't performing. They weren't clicking as well as what you saw with Strom once he was returning to the lineup. However, I mean, Trocek, him being a veteran, he's been in big games, big stages. He's played with amazing players like he did during his time in Florida and then most recently Carolina being a juggernaut. I mean, this is the perfect combination, in my opinion, because you bring in Trocek, who, again, has more grit, more physicality, more of a two-way play, all things that Ryan Strom was not able to provide. Strom thrived in a role where he could be that yes man, that setup man. That was his goal. He would... He would score some great goals early on. You know, he was at this ridiculous shooting percentage when he first arrived with the Rangers the following year at a nice goal-scoring year. Um, the past couple of years, nothing crazy. You know, he's a 20-goal guy on average. That's what you get with Ryan Strom. 
Trocek, though, the potential with him, not only what he brings offensively, but that ability to balance that five on five. I think the Rangers just got so much better from a defensive standpoint, especially because let's say how it is. Panarin is not known for his defense. And why would he be? He's known to be, again, that amazing puck mover to be a huge setup guy while also being that goal scorer when you need him to picking his shots from that left side, especially. And then on the right, Vitali has a great opportunity now with these two big vets. It's not like he's, say, starting out, again, knock on wood, that this doesn't change quickly, that Gallant doesn't pull a Quinn. But it's important to have Vitali come back and start out on a line of that magnitude because it takes the pressure off of his shoulders. You know, if he was, say, starting on even that third line with Hedo and Laffy, it's a different situation because these are still younger kids that finally just got their first taste of playoffs. They aren't on the levels of the Panarins and the Trocheks of the world. So I just think how that second line is constructed has all the potential in the world to really succeed. The goal, however, is that you have two wieners that are not known for back-checking. So that is the biggest red flag. You need, you need to make sure that they are at least putting an effort in so that Vinny isn't breaking his back going up and down the ice constantly. I mean, that's why Jesper Fast was so pivotal for this team, a guy the Rangers should not have given up on when they did, in my opinion. That's why he's doing well now in Carolina, the same exact role. I mean, Zuccarello, same thing, but those yeah. that was more of an understanding with Zuc as my, he's my favorite player. But I, I understood that more given the timing than I did Fast because Fast is just someone that, Yes, he might not be putting up the points as much for you on that second line right wing, but he's someone that you can throw anywhere. He goes on the PK, and his his back check, his forecheck back check is just phenomenal for a right winger. So that is shoes that the Rangers are still trying to fill, but hopefully the offense really takes things to new heights this year with Trocheck as the new C and Vitali trying to make a name for himself in the NHL. The Rangers needed an upgrade from Strom. And it, it it was clear. I mean, he's a great player. He was a great player. I really loved him. But if they extended him, it would have been a it would have been almost like when they extended Girardi or Stahl. I can't remember which defenseman it was over oh, Keith Yandel. Yeah, that was that's the kind of mistake it would have been if they extended Strom over going after a guy like Trocek. That would yep. have been the mistake. That's it, it. Really is because Strom is good, but it's he's not. It wasn't worth that money. The Rangers needed to get better in that department. They needed a, a more reliable uh, 2C that plays defense that's good on both ends of the ice and can win faceoffs. Yep. Good analytics, too, because that factors into it. Trotrek is phenomenal everywhere. Checks off all the boxes. Like, truly, he does check off all the boxes. He's going to be a great fit for, for Panarin. And also, I look at the little things with Panarin and Kravtsov, like, and in general, too. I'm fully on the Panarin and Kako need to be on the same line thing. I've been saying this for such a long time. I thought we saw the best of Kako when he was on Panarin's uh, right wing on that line. Um, we saw like a small sample, like seven or eight games, and Kako tore it up with them before getting promoted. And that didn't work out with Zibanejad and Kreider. But uh, even if Kako is not there, I'm fine with him being on the kid line. With, with Lafreniere and Hedo, that's fine. He looked good with them as well in the playoffs. If Kra like I look at you know what Panarin and Kravtsov are doing in practice, how much time they're spending together. I saw a yeah. video Mercogliano posted. Uh, they're doing the second session. They're just passing it back and forth to each other. They're always communicating. They're always talking. I look for that stuff. Panarin is almost taking him under his wing. And, and having that dialect is huge yeah. too. Yes. You know, like it, it, it may seem like, you know, 
cliche stereotypical to say, but it's true. It's not like the Rangers have endless Russians on their team and Igor isn't the guy that you're going to be passing to. So to have Panarin along Vitali's side, I mean, that just helps give him more comfortability at the NHL level and knowing that, hey, I got your back. We're going to be in constant dialogue with each other. Trocek will be like Strom in the middle where, you know, he might say some Russian lines, but he's just going with, you know, whatever they're doing, the ebbs and flows of the game. That bond has a really, really good chance to be something special, and I and I hope for it. Yeah, and this isn't like to me. It's not like uh, it, Nils Lundqvist, Patrick Nemeth pairing. It's no. not like that where it's just oh, we're putting them together because they speak the same language. I don't think that at all. I think Panarin and Kravtsov's skill sets are can match each other, and like you said, they're kind of similar in, th- in that they don't back check as much. Panarin is when he plays defense, he's pretty good. I'll yeah, admit. when he plays defense. <laughs> when he plays defense. When he plays defense, he's good. Um, he just needs to always the first year he had on when first year on the Rangers, solid. So that's what he needs to do. We need him to to get back to that. If he keeps sh- producing points, I'm not gonna say anything. But Kravsov, I think he could be a good defensive player from what I've heard. Yeah. From what I've heard that he has the potential to be a very good player in his own end, and I want to see that. So maybe he could he could learn maybe the coaching staff could could connect with him and get him to really understand the defensive side of the game. I'm excited to see what he could do and uh like he's like you said like Gallant said this is a huge opportunity for him. This is his last chance, honestly. This is it. Like uh yep. I think I think I go back to when he was first drafted. Everybody and their mother was saying the Rangers should have taken Chicken Wallstrom because not he me. Was like, not not me. I, I scouted Vitali uh, during the draft, so I knew who. I'm he glad was. there was one of them yeah. out there because I was not one of them. I'm glad yeah. that you were out there because the Rangers uh, immediately after they drafted him, I saw people saying, "Who the hell is this guy? Why didn't you take Wallstrom?" Because I had the first like true goal scorer and so, since Gabrick, and you know what was Wallstrom doing like immediately after his draft after he was drafted? Like nothing. Your crab solves up in uh in uh in tractor in russia tearing up the league setting rookie record setting records that not even tarasenko had not datsu like he's doing all over the place and then you know he's just the character arc of kravtsov i want i just want to see him succeed and he's got a chance to be one of my favorite players i said a couple weeks ago zach jones has a chance to be my favorite player because i don't have one right now since zuccarello left i don't have one Uh, it's just I have high standards and yeah. people are going to, people are still going to be like, what the hell are you talking about, Joey? There's plenty of guys that give a hundred percent effort. There's a vantage Jag Kreider. Yeah, I know. I know. But it's just, it's not the same. I don't know how to, I don't know what to tell you guys. It's just, it's I mean, not the I, same. I have, I have a life-size poster of Zuccarello on my wall right now. So I, 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 under, I understand what you're saying. Uh, final tidbit on Vitali before we advance forward with whatever else you want to talk about. He's a guy where, again, if that defensive game can get better, get some more meat on his bones, too. I mean, who knows? He He's someone where I really don't know what he's going to profile as should he, again, have a successful NHL career. But a guy that I think of a lot that would be amazing for specifically this Rangers group. And you see these qualities a little bit in Capococco, even though I think that there's higher offensive upside when he's at his peak in his career. But it's Valerie Nichushkin. You know, when Valerie first came in the league, I was a huge fan of his top draft pick by the Dallas Stars had started out with a really solid NHL career. And then things just completely flopped, was not doing well in the Dallas organization. They were having to butting heads. 
parted with them, went to the KHL, and in doing so, completely worked on his two-way game. And when he returned and arrived with Colorado Avalanche, he became one of the most dominant two-way forces that you could ask for, both five-on-five and on the penalty kill. That's something where if the Rangers can lock out and get to similar degrees, what a Valerie Nichushkin is for a cup-winning team like the Colorado Avalanche and Vitaly Kratsov with the New York Rangers, that would truly be something amazing. So uh, if the, if yeah. they can get that two-way game going some more, he, again, Vitaly doesn't come off as a guy that, oh, he's going to be a guaranteed bonafide goal scorer. And he doesn't come off as a guy that's going to be that huge, you know, playmaking machine. Like he has, a, in my opinion, he's a man without a, without a true identity still. Um, and I think that there's a lot of potential there for the Rangers to work on him and make him more of a Swiss Army knife than maybe fans initially expected as long as his head is in the right place and he wants to do it. I like that you brought up Nachushkin because he's a huge weapon for that Colorado yeah, offense. Yeah, so good. You, you always think of, like, the Rantanins, the McKinnons, Landis Gog, all those guys. They had Kadri last year. Yep. But Nachushkin, that middle six guy, just outstanding, keeps the line <laughs> ro- rolling. Uh, Jared Bednar was able to roll all of his lines, every yep. single one of them, whether it's – Darren Helm on the fourth line, Nachushkin on the third line, Kadri on the second line, McKinnon on the first line. He's able to use all of those guys. And Nachushkin was like one of their best scorers all around. And I think he got a, a contract extension recently. Am, am I uh, am I correct? Yeah, yes, he did. Yeah. Well deserving of that. It takes sometimes it takes a while for those guys to to those first round picks to ter- to turn out. We saw Benoit Puglia. It, it took a while for him it, when he came to the Rangers. He had one good year. And then he returned to whatever he was before. But it just takes a while sometimes for, for those guys to, to break out. Nutrushkin did that. If Kravtsov could cu- turn into a guy like that, I'll be happy with, with that. That's that's a good player. I'd love to have uh, a Nutrushkin-like player on, on the Rangers. Um, yeah. uh, I have a couple questions for you. So, like, one more about the lines. Uh, I was talking to Drew Way last week about, about this. He, was, he brought up an interesting point that it might – be beneficial to you know kind of experiment break up the Kreider's Zibanejad pairing on the first line do you think that's like uh do you think that's a, a, a good idea or uh or no like do you think they should just stay together just just be linked forever together I mean right now no I don't think there's any reason to do that right I think if yeah. the season starts out underwhelming not as expected say they are underperforming and say an Alexi Lafreniere for instance is outperforming then I would say that you have a lot of potential there then if you bring Laffy to the first line and say Blaze doing well in that role, even though I think that'll be a little bit too much of, uh, you know, not enough star power on that first line to really have things click, even though that they have that French-Canadian aspect to them together. Um, you know, we talked about there were points last year where Kreider, it, it would, you know, earlier in the year especially, it would make sense to have him on the third pair. And I think we saw it for a short time, if anything, just because it lengthens the depth of the Rangers and their top nine, like astronomical. I mean, you go from having that loaded first line, regardless of who's at right wing, just with Zbigniew and Kreider alone, to now having Kreider on your third line with potentially Kako and Heedle, how would how would that line not produce, right? So I think it, it's about the ebbs and flows of the season through the first you know month plus to see how they're performing. Uh, we all know Galan is going to mix things around plenty. He's going to make decisions that us fans like, and he sure as hell is going to make decisions that us fans don't like because fans view 
uh, lineups as you know the most important thing in life itself. So we'll, we'll see what ha- what it, what happens when we get there. But at this juncture, no, I don't think there's any reason to take a goal scorer coming off of a 50 goal season off of the first line was a bad jet. I think that would be quite foolish. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. If it becomes I, broke, yeah. then you fix it. But yeah. not yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think if there's anything that needs to be adjusted on that first line, it's going to be Blay before Panera or not Panera, Zabanajad and Kreider get split up. I think that that's probably the first change that Gallant will will probably look at because you know Kreider Zabanajad have been together forever, as we know. KZB was was the line, and uh, I hate to throw that trade back in there uh because it rubs rangers fans the wrong way yes it's painful yeah i mean uh i understand it he was, he what he was that great player yep. <laughs> that's oh yeah. man actually yeah now that you, now that i think about it yeah he was actually like yeah. last season he was truly a two-way player yep. uh and i had i talked to craig berubri and he loves him and i'm like i'm sitting like Oh, pulling my hair out of my head saying like we gave up on that that's the one move drury should not have made at least i mean just the thought of having booch throughout the year i mean that couldn't that could have lessened the load of what you acquired at the trade line. i mean the rangers went on an amazing run i'm not going to gripe about what drury did post booch he has been one of the best gms in the league in his first year as gm i mean that that takes some cojones to do that in such a short period of time but how things started still will always have a sour taste in our mouths. I I know the Rangers couldn't have brought Buchnevich back. At least they didn't have full intentions, but he was entering like his complete prime. Like we were seeing it before our eyes in the short in 2020 season. Um, you know, he, he was exemplifying being literally a point per game player for multiple seasons. And when he finally put together after supporting this man for as long as I did, I made an literally, I did a five page paper in my English class in my senior year of high school years ago on why the Rangers should fire Lane Vigneault. This was prior to him being fired. He got fired a couple months after. And one of the biggest things I referenced was how great Buchnevich was five on five, yet he was given such little playing time over absolute goons that were just pylons that should not be in there. So I've been on the Buch train since day one. And yeah, that, that one hurt to see him. I expected him to get dealt. It was just the return on how underwhelming it was. Mm-hmm. If that wasn't the case, I don't think anyone is looking back on that deal and saying, "Oh my God, what happened?" You know, mm-hmm. the problem was with his with the cap space. It, yeah, it and truly it really continued it, to be a problem. It, it, you know, the the Rangers had a vision. You know, they wanted Goudreau in 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 there. They wanted Reeves there, and Reeves did a lot for for. The, the Rangers locker room. I'm not going to say that it's not worth it, that that contract's not worth it. But at this point, the Rangers have moved on from their need of Ryan Reeves on the ice. I'll say, uh, I don't think 1.7 something million dollars is, is a good thing to have on, on the books, mm-hmm. but what he did for the team last year was unspeakable. Like that's just, you know, it uplifted the spirits of the entire team from have after having such a, horrible horrendous year in the lockout short in the in the covid shortened year that locker room was in shambles yeah reeves came in and immediately uplifted every single ranger we saw so much character out of lafreniere keandre miller and you know <clears throat> compared to the first year laughing miller i feel like i didn't hear much of them i felt like miller was very shy i thought lafreniere i didn't see much of him of his true colors 
this past year, I saw a whole lot of that and, and more, yeah. even from Kako too. Like that, that's a, that's a huge difference. The relationship between players and fans has to be there in order for, you know, the support that the, the fans gave to the Rangers this past season was so good in part to due to, in my opinion, due to Reeves for, for what he did. But I think that, you know, the Rangers had a vision and that's why they moved on from Buchnevich. They, they just couldn't afford him. They got have to, absolutely have to, no matter what, find a way to make Keandre Miller fit on this team going forward because this guy looks like he's going to be a stud. I have to say that. Yeah, I've already I, seen I, contract discuss, extension discussions, and I don't even know what number he's going to be thinking of. If there is one defenseman that is not going to be on the New York Rangers within the next couple of years, his name is not Keandre Miller, but it's Ryan Lindgren. Telling you right now, mm. I love Lindy, but he again, Stephen preaches this all the time. He's one hundred percent true. Think, think of McDonough, even though that Max still had some very good years with Tampa, you know, with their back-to-back cups and everything. Um, the the guys that take beatings the way that a Ryan Lindgren type player does, they will reach a point in their career faster than a Keandre Miller, where they're just they don't have the leg speed. Ailments will become more constant. Um, that unfortunately is the nature of the game. We've seen that with Girardi as well. I mean, Dan at his peak was just an absolute bulldozer. He he was taking shit every single night. But again, th- this wears on the body. We know this. Keandre is a guy that is not taking that wear and tear nearly to the same degree as Lindgren. Not just because of you know Lindgren being an animal and always getting in front of for block shots, but just the style of play. They're vastly different. Keandre's faster. He's faster to the puck. He's faster on the puck. He's more of a puck mover. He's able to evade. Um, guys trying to drill him, and again, he's a bigger body than Lindy too. So he's he's got that he's got that size, he's got that mass. Um, he's able to hone his own better than one Lindgren can on a night to night basis. So, I mean, especially with cap reasons, that's the main reason why I'm saying this. The Rangers will do everything they possibly can to make sure Keandre stays. And if that means that someone like Ryan Lindgren has to be traded, I assure you that that will be a conversation. I don't want it to happen. These are just things that unfortunately are a possibility given where the Rangers are at with their salaries. It's just unfortunate. And like people will say like, well, that's because they gave so much money. They shelled out so much money to Panarin, to Zibanejad, to Barclay Goudreau. It's, it all has something to do with the, how the COVID lockout happened. The Rangers were expecting the salary cap to rise to $83.5 million. That's what it was supposed to do. And now it's not going to do that for, well, another year. It's going to go up $1 million every year until yeah, the, the, I mean, Rangers, the, the, until the league pays, pays everything back. The Angels such a joke with their salary cap. I mean, it's, it's, it's absolute nonsense. Look what the MLB is yeah. doing. Yep. Um, you know, I, I was someone that was actually against it for a very long time when it came to not having a flat salary cap. Um, and I think I'm more in favor of it now because being a Mets fan, we have the richest owner in baseball, so it's easier to tolerate. Uh, but the point still stands. The, the, these owners have the leeway to spend as much as they want. And when you're limited the way that you are in the NHL, yes, obviously goes in hand with revenue. But, you know, work on your marketing better. Get the game out there better. I know you can. You're just deciding not to. And that has led to this really, really difficult salary cap that hurts teams every single year. Just because you can spend as much of the same doesn't mean you're going to put the same product out there on the ice. I mean, look at how many bad contracts there are in the NHL. Look at how many teams should be performing better than what they are right now. I mean, the Philadelphia Flyers are a great example. of are <laughs> shelling out terrible contracts in recent years. Um, 
I mean, just just because they all are at the same level of how much they can spend doesn't change anything because it comes down to how smart is your front office being able to properly allocate that money. Yeah, so I think I think Noah's going to start with a number that a number that starts with either five or six. Yeah, for 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 yep. the for the the amount of money. Yeah, five or yeah. six years if they could do that. If they could do eight years at that price, fine. I will sign me up for that. It, it's just. If he starts going for seven, eight million, like you got to get this done soon because I think I think he's gonna have an outstanding season. He looks so so damn good all over the ice. He he reads the plays so so well. Uh, he's a great, a, tremendous, tremendous skater. And I always say this: you need to be a good skater as a defenseman in today's game. You have to be fast and and agile, agile. And he is absolutely that. Absolutely. Getting Miller locked down to an eight-year contract would be amazing because this is yeah. the opposite of the, those those vets that hit the free agent market. Say they're 30, 31, you know, their careers are – they already hit their peak, right? They're only going to have a couple more good years before really falling off a cliff, and they always sign to a seven, eight-year deal because teams are the way that they are. Keandre's 22 effing years old. You lock him in for eight years. I mean, you have him till his early 30s, and then you can reassess then. I mean, that would be that would be tremendous. I really hope the Rangers can try to lock him up long term ASAP. But the the salary's not helping right now, that's for sure. It would probably have to be a situation where it starts off low and it's really backed up. Where like by the time that contract's done, he's making, you know, maybe upwards of nine plus, you know, by by the end of that contract. So that way it helps out mm-hmm. more now versus towards the end of it right right they could they could backload the deal yep. so that they have more in the future i i guess they could do that for the cap hits too uh, yeah that's, that's yep. what it is yeah but and, and then again to your point about lindgren i hate to bring i hate to bring up this comparison again but it, it really is like that girardi over yandel decision whatever it was whichever defenseman they decided to keep when they had yandel yandel they alan Vigne, i'm sure you wrote about that in your five-page paper they, they did not keep yandel rangers yeah. only had yandel for like a year and a half yeah <laughs> that second year the fir- the f- full year yandel got to play for the rangers almost had 50 points as a third pair defenseman yeah that's how much he was utilized by av and you know the rangers just said oh see you later here go to florida and he's continues to produce and meanwhile Girardi or Stahl they're getting old struggling Steven's right like th- that kind of player doesn't age well and I love Lindgren to death I love that he goes to battle every single night for the here and now Lindgren deserves to be on this team but for Absolutely. the future if you're trying to construct a dynasty you have to make you have to be able to make a business decision like this and DeAndre Miller is the future to it, honestly and, and like I know they're around the same age but it just that's just the answer. That's just the reason. And it's going to be the same reason for why the Rangers are going to need to move on from Jacob Truba soon because of that contract. Yeah, right? Truba, I mean, hey, if the Rangers are going to stay consistent with trading their captains, then everything's lining up perfectly. Um, Truba is right. someone where I, I, the Rangers can 100% go without him long term. Um, that's just so easier said than done, given, given his contract status. That is not yeah. an easy thing yeah. to get out of. Again, for the here and now, Jacob Truba needs to be on this team. Yep. But going forward, they're gonna have to gonna have to find a way out of that contract because they're not gonna be able to keep what they've built to this point. The what they built to this point is the core, that core dynasty. Like you want to build a dynasty, it starts with Lafreniere, Kako, those guys, the younger guys. <coughs> you want to build like a one or two year kind of 
championship run, Zabanajad and, and Kreider. That's just they're at that point. They're older now, so it's just it's a good mix of players that they have right now. So what I'm trying to say is, if you wanna if you wanna make it for right now, you're gonna keep Truba. If you wanna make it for the future, you wanna keep winning cups. You're gonna have to move on from one of those. Look, Tampa Bay had to do it. They moved on from Tyler Johnson, and they're still winning. They've moved on from big contracts before, and they're still winning. They had to get rid of, they gutted their entire third line, the guys that brought them to the cup finals two years in a row, and they still made it a, a third year in a row. They figured it out. They figured out how to get over the hump, and once they did that, they never looked back. Right? So, you know, it's just going to, it just, that's what it boils down to for Chris Jury. And I have faith in him. I think he's a smart GM. Every move he's yeah, made I do too. since that first move that we all questioned has been a good move, in my opinion. The Georgiev trade, the trade deadline, he didn't give up any prime assets. Mills Lundqvist going for a first-round pick. That was unbelievable. Unbelievable uh, that he's able to trade a, a basically disgruntled player that needs ice time for a first-round pick. In this year's draft, which in is this insane. year's, yes, yeah, yeah. Like I talked to Drew last week, and he was saying, "This kid, this, whoever they draft with this pick, could be the best player in our pro- uh, pipeline. Like automatically, yeah. doesn't matter yeah. where the pick ends up, because of how deep this class is. I don't follow the draft too much, but he does. And if he says it, if he's wa- if he's watching these players and he knows it, Drew, and he says that this guy, that any player that they draft could be the best guy, yeah." Sure as hell, he's going to be a good player. I be- I believe it. I think I think the Rangers have a, a number of different routes they could go with the first round pick too. So, yeah. uh, I'm excited for the season. Um, I there's a lot though. There's a lot that needs to happen. Still got to figure out the line combinations, like we talked about in this episode. Still got to figure out what's going on with Kravtsov. Uh, Zach Jones got to make the team for sure. Um, but Tyler, anything else you want to add on before we we wrap it up? Uh, no, yeah, I'm just, I'm really excited for the season for the Rangers. You know, they went above and beyond what all of us fans expected in year one and coming out of the rebuild into, you know, we're a playoff-focused team now. I mean, if you would have told me entering last year that the Rangers would be just a couple games away from going to the Stanley Cup, I would have said, all right, that's crazy. Like, there's no chance that's going to happen. But they, they defied the odds in that sense, and I'm beyond proud of what they were able to do in year one. However, there are still clear things that I want to see progression with now entering year two under Gallant, and that starts and ends with the Alexi Lafreniere's, the Kako, uh, Kapokakos, the Vitaly Kratzovs, the Zach Joneses. These are guys I want to see given more opportunity, more playing time, and to see them really start to grow. Again, they're still so young in their careers. They have a lifetime ahead of them, 100%. But I just wanted to see the opportunities there. That is what matters most to me. What they do with it, that is their choice, and we will soon find out. But just make sure you give these kids enough of a leash because they are a part of this core if the Rangers want to go on a said dynasty over this next decade. You're not going to get there without these top draft picks from recent years. That's why you draft them as high as you did. That's why they were as renowned as they were entering their draft and being acquired when the Rangers acquired them. So just give the kids the keys, and hopefully the Rangers have themselves another big year. But, Joey, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Absolute blast. Um, always great to see my co-host Steven being on here as well. I know you've had a week, C. I know you've had a lot of awesome people in the AHL community. I'm so very happy and proud for you. I wish you continued success going forward. I appreciate it, Tyler. Thank you. You're welcome on here anytime. I was actually thinking about getting Steven on here at the same time. I thought that would be funny, but uh, 
that probably maybe, maybe another good. time. Yeah, yeah maybe fun. another time. We'll have to do that. But yeah, again, Tyler, thanks for joining the show and Ice Cold Takes fans. You guys are awesome. Hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll see you guys next week. Hey, Rangers fans. Thank you so much for listening to the Ice Cold Takes podcast this week. Make sure you follow at Ice Cold Takes Pod on Twitter to stay up to date with the latest Rangers info. See you all next week. Time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I know.